Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Baldanzi-Vitacchio. And this is Juliano Clary. And it is Tuesday, September the 7th. Once again, thanks so much for joining us today on our podcast back. Uh, basically, we're at near the end of the international break. Here's what we got for you today. We're going to break down the Azzurri's first two games back since the Euro 2020 triumph. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to r- give you a quick rundown of how Canada is actually doing in the octagonal phase of qualification. Uh, they have one more game still to play uh, in this international window. And then we're going to, I guess, preview City on match day three for you. Yes, we are. All right. So let's just jump right in. Uh, let's talk about La Nazionale. Uh, so Italy... Two games played, one more to go. Two, two draws. Two draws, yeah. Two draws against uh, Bulgaria, 1-1, and then uh, against the Swiss, 0-0. And might I add, it, it was a very depleted Swiss team. Uh, one more game to go. Uh, that goes tomorrow against Lithuania. Um, and uh, with that draw, with these two draws, they now secure, they are the sole record holders of a 36-match unbeaten run. That spans back to like since Mancini really took over in 2018. Mm-hmm. So, what do you feel about these two games? What do you feel about the record? Tell me what you're feeling right now as an Italian fan. As an Italian fan, I'm not too happy with Mancini right now, to be honest. Uh, calling up the team that won the Euros, I think more so out of respect than anything, not out of merit. Because uh, a lot of names that probably didn't deserve to be there were there. Yeah. Case in point, Florenzi, first game. We said, why is yeah. this guy there? Worst player on the pitch. Uh, the reason why Bulgaria ended up tying the game. Mm-hmm. That's just the one glaring example. But overall, not happy with Mancini tactic-wise, not happy with his subs. Uh, I just think he completely got it wrong. I think he's comp- overcomplicating the situation with Italy. Yeah, I mean, uh, every time we talk about Italy in the podcast uh, is this is not a finished product yet. No. And we were always worried that, yes, we wanted Italy to do well at the Euro, but every t- if they did well, we'd be stuck with this group because... That's the Italian way. You you win something with your national squad, you're going to try and keep it for as long as possible and it turns into a disaster. History always repeats itself, unfortunately. And after Italy wins something, we tend to go into a spiral. But this is not a finished product yet. And we've stressed that several times. So it is time for guys like Giorgio Chiellini, Alessandro Florenzi, time for guys like that to go. You've done your job. Thank you very much. You've won a Euro out of it. Now it's time to bring in the next generation of players. Hence, Alessandro Bastoni, Gianluca Mancini, uh, and a big right glaring right back that should be there, hands down, Davide Calabria for AC, from AC Milan. Um, it's just disappointed with these two draws. Yeah. I don't care about the record right now. I care about making the World Cup. It's, it's a record, but... Yeah. Is it are, even though Italy went the longest undefeated ever? Yeah. Are they even considered one of the best teams this team? No. Definitely not. Maybe we'll we'll debate that. Yeah. Later, but to me, I'll tell you. The record means nothing. It, it it doesn't mean anything. I'm more disappointed about especially with that tie with the Swiss. Bulgar the tie against Bulgaria. Bulgaria always gives us a hard time. First game back from the Euro, I will stomach that draw, but I will not accept the 0-0 draw against the Swiss. Um, and now the Swiss are kind of in a good spot where we play Switzerland one more time in qualifiers, but Switzerland's four points behind Italy in qualification with two games in hand that they can, they should realistically win out. So now we got to kind of, we got to win the rest of our games. The game against Lithuania tomorrow is a must win and we got to beat the Swiss 
hands down, in our next fixture with them. Yeah, and to talk about, two the playoffs, it's not straightforward the way it used to be. It's it, There's a bracket to it now. So. Yeah, and it's a one-game knockout. Yeah. And realistically, there are some dangerous teams. Hence, Spain is probably going to be finishing runner-up in their group because Sweden, it'd be very hard to see Sweden screw this yeah, up possibility now. of Portugal too. Yeah, it's it's scary. You do not want to go down that path. We went down that path against the Swedes in 2018, and it backfired big time. You exactly. want to win your group. You want to guarantee your spot and move on. 15 years of doing nothing in World Cups Italy. Yeah. 15 years. They've done nothing since 2006, since yeah. they won. It's, uh, it's embarrassing. It's time for a change. It is time for a change. <laughs> Uh, you have to make these adjustments in the squad. I don't know if it's an adjustment in tactics that you have to make, but it's an adjustment in the squad for sure. Um, this system, I'll say, Chido Immobile does not fit. I mean, Italy are creating chances. They created a ton of chances in these two games against Bulgaria and Switzerland, but they couldn't convert. Jorginho, you've been figured out. Penalty, your penalty style has been figured out. It's the same. Jan Sommer read you like a book. Yeah, Move on. he's got to be taken off penalties. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if we want to want to dissect the games, Bulgaria. I guess we can lump it all into one. Yeah, Bulgaria sat the whole team back. Yeah, Bulgaria sat the whole team back. Italy created twenty seven uh, attempts in that game. Had twenty seven shots. I think they had in regards to big chances three. Yeah, the converting isn't there. Chido missed open headers in the six yard box, and yeah, it's there's just massive misses and. uh yeah, it's frustrating because, yes, Chiro is probably the striker that got called out of, out of that plethora of strikers. He's the one that deserves to be starting. Yeah, he's the one scoring goals for his club. But we said he has to be given his chance, but now it's like he has to be on a short leash. I don't want to see him start in the game against Lithuania. I guess you got to go with Raspadori because Bellotti's not there. Or even the Falstein. Lorenzo Insigne can play in the Falstein. Just switch it up. Something's yeah. not clicking No. for this Azzurri team, for the amount of chances created, which is maybe the only positive to it. Yeah, they're creating chances. We're creating chances, albeit against Bulgaria. I mean, against Swiss, we were... Uh, yeah. I created three three big chances. And the same thing, the finishing it has been, uh, it's been yeah. very poor. Yeah, the finishing's been terrible, but you have all these great options on the bench now. I mean... I don't understand why Emerson's playing. I don't get it. When you have Cristiano Beraghi, who's been playing fantastic for Fiorentina in his first two games, um, should realistically be the starting left back for this Italian team based on performance. Uh, and then if you want to talk about based on performance, okay, I understand Leonardo Bonucci there, but Alessandro Bastoni needs to start. He does. He's the best center back individually, the yeah. best center back. He Maybe needs- he doesn't work with the partnerships. We don't know the training, but individually start. he is the best center back yeah. in Italy. Yeah. And then on the right side, hands down has to be Davide Calabria. Di Lorenzo, obviously a better job. Yes. Florenzi, I still don't understand why he started the first game. I think this is it for him. See you later. Yeah. He's got to be yeah. finished after that. Right side's got to be Calabria. The midfield, you're always gonna, it's either going to be Locatelli, Verratti, Jorginho, or Barella. Realistically, we're going to be seeing that for the next couple of years at least. Um, I'm not too worried about the midfield-wise. But up top, I don't understand why Nicolo Zaniolo is on this squad. No. He just came back from two serious knee injuries. Uh, hasn't played in a year. A long, yeah, it's been, a, well, it's been a while. So why is he in the squad? I don't understand when you have other options. And he didn't make an impact in the time no. he was brought in. 59th minute. So he had a half hour. Yeah. And he, he couldn't do anything. No, exactly. And Chiesa and Insigne are going to be there. They're the, those are the guys there. Berardi, that was his, I think that was his first time touching the ball all season. 
at the start of the season because yep. he hasn't played for Sassuolo yep. yet. And then up top, I mean, a, a wasteful Ciro Immobile. It just it doesn't. I don't understand as an Italian fan why how this guy can score thirty goals, thirty five goals, twenty five goals, what you call it, on uh, for Lazio, and he's got what four or five goals yeah, already he, under Sadi. He's the leading goal scorer right now for yeah, us in qualification. In a four three three formation for Lazio, yeah. mind you, Lazio played some weaker opposition, but still, but still, he's scoring. He is scoring, right? I, for me, I've said it since day one. I don't think Chiro is a bad striker. I think he he's uh, we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole with yeah. Chiro. He does not fit the system that mm-hmm. Mancini wants to play, whether it be four three three, whatever it is. He does not fit the Mancini style of play. No. The midfield between Jorginho, Verratti, Barella, Locatelli, the midfield does not play for Chiro. No, they do not. Set him up on his runs. That is Chiro's bread and butter. Is the deep runs he makes past the defensive line, yeah. and nobody. I, I, you watch the Italy games. It's frustrating. Nobody sees the runs, and nobody gives him that that long pass because everyone sees they are looking for the short pass automatically. That's just the way this midfield tandem works. And I've said that since day one. The team is not set up for Chiro to be successful. Chiro is just the guy that runs around and. Puts pressure on the back line, and and Mancini wants Federico Chiesa, Lorenzo Insigne. He wants his wingers to run in to be the the offensive weapons. Yeah, and Chiro's just there to occupy the the two center backs. Yeah, Mancini wants us to defeat teams on the wings. So I think it it comes down to to uh, Mancini, the system he has set up for Chiro. I just think he's being set up to fail. I don't think that Chiro's out of his depth. I mean, this Bulgarian team is no better than. The teams the, he scores, the teams he like scores against, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and the other thing is with Italy too, and we said this in the Euro, the build-up to the Euro, they they lack goal scorers in the midfield. And what, Lazio has goal scorers in the midfield. That's why it's hard for teams to sit back against Lazio. You have Luis Alberto who can hit a shot from outside the 18. Yeah. You have Milinkovic Savic who can hit shots from outside the 18. For us, nobody shoots. Verratti could have a wide open shot on top of the 18, won't take it. He'll, he'll go past it. Same with Barella, Jorginho. These guys do not shoot. There's no shooters in this team. Lorenzo Insigne, we always know what he's going to do. He's going to cut in and aim yeah. for the top corner. Federico Chiesa, you know what he's going to do. Always head down, try and dribble, beat his guy, and take a shot. There's no, there's no surprises coming from deep in yeah. regards to shots. The only guy is Locatelli. That's it. Locatelli is the only guy that will try to crack a shot. Pellegrini. If he gets time. If yeah. he gets time, but he seems to always be injured when it comes to Azzurri. Uh That's the problem. We do not take shots at the 18. Chiro, that's a big part of his game at Lazio. He plays off the midfield. The team is built for Chiro there. And Sadi figured it out immediately right away. for Lazio. Mancini's had since 2018, whatever his appointment date was again, and he still hasn't figured it out with Chiro. Yeah. It's he just want, Mancini just wants to dominate the game. And yes, it's a team game, so you're going to win when a center back pitches him with a goal here, a midfielder pitches him with a goal here. But we never, I guess it's just the Italian way, There's we never have that one player that's the focal point. You know, the one time we did was Roberto Baggio in 94. That's the only time uh, we really built a team around a, a specific player. Yeah. But for Chiro, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What, are, what other Mancini options? doesn't want to do it. Well, so what are what other options are there? Well, if, for me, if you're gonna play, if you play this way, if you're gonna play midfielders, I like to pass the ball around and and keep it. Why not play? And and you're gonna attack the wingers. Why not play a false nine? Why not play Lorenzo Insigne in, in the center? Yeah. Uh, for me, because I still think Lorenzo Insigne is too slow, 
and he, and he with his decision making with mm-hmm. his speed to play on the wing i think he'd be more effective in the center dropping deep um and then you put a speedy guy but Ardin Chiesa maybe up on the wings you know there's so much more you could do uh people were saying Zaniolo playing the, in the false nine which I, I don't know not too crazy about yeah I don't know about that but that's that's something you can do or you run with a striker who's just a poacher in the box and won't touch the ball outside the 18 yeah you know a, a striker that won't be involved period until like a Simonian like a Simone Zaghi, like a Filippo Inzaghi he didn't touch the ball until the ball was in the 18-yard 18 box. 18-yard box was That's his. what we're missing. Like, if Italy had a Cristiano Ronaldo in, in the team or, I don't want to say Lukaku, but if you if we had that goal poacher who doesn't have to touch the ball too much outside the box, knows how to just make those little movements inside the box, beat a man, if we had that guy, Italy would be unbeatable. So you're saying if we had 2012 Mario Balotelli. <laughs> that's what this team is screaming no, I, for. I, yeah. It's screaming a, for somebody a poacher like in him. the box. And in a weird way, yeah. Balotelli obviously couldn't do it now, but Balotelli back, back in his heyday. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, something like that. If we had our or people on Zaghi, was a little bit younger. Luca Toni, that's what we're dying for on this team. Yeah. It's either that or the false nine. Chiro is just, it's Mancini's fault that he's not playing for him. Yeah, that's the way I see it. No, I agree with you. What do you see? What do you see the weakness and and why it's not gelling too? Just it's it's at least it's it's just wing play. That's that's what Mancini thrives on. Heavy on the left, wing play. And you're right. You hit the you hit the nail right on the head. Where Chiesa and Insigne, your two wings, are your goal scorers. So you either have to play that false nine, or you got to find someone that's a big body that's going to be able to hold up the ball or just do work in the 18. That's going to, not going to be part of this team until they're in the opposition's 18-yard box. And realistically, do we have somebody like that in La Nazionale? I don't know because we don't know if Raspadori is that kind of guy. We don't know if Scamacca's kind of that kind of guy. He's got the frame. They're all unproven, though. Yeah, they're all unproven. Another unproven guy. I know I bring him up every time, every time, but he's got the size for it. Andrea Patania. Yeah, but at this point, we've given Chiro the chance. Why not give someone else a try? You have to. You have to. You're not going to lose out on anything. We no. don't score goals anyway. No, you have to. You have to. Or you either do that or you change up your tactics. And I don't know if Mancini can do that. Not at, at this point where he is after so long, I think you run. This is arguably one of the best midfields we've ever had. Ever had. I'd say yeah, Italy's best midfield ever. Maybe one of the top five yeah. of all time. And they're going to be there for years to come. Yes. That does have its weaknesses. Like I said, sure this does. midfield doesn't score goals, but this midfield can retain the ball like nobody else. Yep. So if you're going to rely, like we've said, if you're going to rely on this midfield, play to it. Play a striker that will fit this midfield strengths. Don't play Chiro. Chiro does not play for me in that style of team. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. We'll see what's going to happen uh, in this uh, in this game against Lithuania on Wednesday or tomorrow. What, what do you think Italy wins this game? I they better. This is Lithuania with zero points. Yeah, they you know have to. our destiny is still in our own hands because we do play the Swiss one more time, so yeah. it's still in our own hands. And you, the Switzerland now play a home and home with Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland is still not out of it. Yeah, they, they're, they're in three it. Yeah. Point, two games in hand. They're only three points behind the Swiss for that second place playoff spot. And Northern Ireland is not a bad team, so. You hope Northern Ireland can maybe do you a favor to alleviate that pressure, but tomorrow's game 
is a must win. You know, but the one thing I will give Roberto Mancini is he's upset. He he's obviously pissed off with. But he's upset results. because I don't know. He can, he can be upset, but it's his doing. Like Jorginho, yes, he does that stupid hot penalty shot, and it misses again. That goes in. Do we just forget about how poor the finishing is and the performance was? No, it wasn't the greatest performance. No, it wasn't. You know, just because we win that game because of a penalty. Yeah. Did Italy play good? No. no. They haven't played good two games. No. They're, it's that hangover. They yeah. won the game and it's that hangover like we like you're talking about. It's We've talked about this too, repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it just seems like that's the path we're heading down again. Which is a shame because you have so much... Like we haven't won a game in five matches. Italy has not won a game in their last five matches. Yeah. Okay? It's not good. No. It's not good enough for the Azzurri. So what would you do for the Lithuania game? What, what would, who would you line up with differently uh-huh. here? Well, I'll tell you right now. I go with... I guess you're going to have to go with Donnarumma in that. Because that's, that's the only time he's going to be getting right now. So <laughs> you go with Donnarumma. I, I guess mean, it's so. not a big deal right now. Yeah, Lithuania playing, shouldn't even have a shot on that. Yeah. But I go with Donnarumma. I go with Calabria. I go with Bastoni. I go with Bonucci. I go with Biragi. Those, that's who I would go with in the back four. Midfield-wise, I would probably go with, you're going to have to go with Verratti, Jorginho, and Barella. Jorginho's coming off his worst game, I think, that he's ever played for the Azzurri, so hopefully he can come back. And then up top, I mean, up top, I would go with Chiesa, I would go with Berardi and see how that works because Berardi's a left-footed. He's left-footed. So put him on the left side. See where that takes you. And then I would go with the Raspadori Skamaka up top. Yeah. That, that side, that, you got to rotate. You got to see what works. And this is the perfect team to do it against. You cannot experiment against the Swiss. You cannot experiment against Northern Ireland because those guys are still in the thick of it. So figure it out against Lithuania because you got some, you got, Two last crucial qualifiers coming up in, I believe, November because they're going to be playing the Nations League Final Four in October. So that's who I would line up with. Yeah. How about yourself? Fair enough. Yeah. Goalie, for me, uh, maybe even give Golini a run. Lithuania really shouldn't have a shot. They shouldn't have a shouldn't even have a shot on that. But do you want to take that risk? But for me, I think you could take that risk. Start Golini. Uh, Lorenzo, Di Lorenzo on a wide I think you have to run Bastoni, Bonucci for me, and on the left, Biragi. Uh, in the midfield, I would like to see Verratti if he's healthy, but I think he's out now of the squad with an injury. So that's why Locatelli started the last game. He, so, did, he did make a cameo. So yeah. I would like to see maybe Locatelli, Jorginho, and Matteo Pessina, actually. I wouldn't mind seeing Barella on the bench. Yeah. I think Barella sometimes, he overdoes it in games. Yeah. Um, maybe will be more effective coming off the bench in a game like this with his energy. But I would like to see Matteo Pessina, one of the top goal-scoring midfielders we have, four goals in 10 games. I don't think this guy gets enough credit en- enough credit or respect. Yeah. Uh, like these five-minute cameos he got at the end of the game, it's a slap in the face. Same it with really Raspadori, it's a slap in the yeah. face. Same with Pellegrini too. Yeah. The, like sl- ni- they're coming out in the 91st yeah. minute. What, what, what are they going to do? I don't know. I don't know what the point of that is. Yeah. Uh, and then up top, I would love to see maybe the false nine. Rasputin can play in the false nine too. I want to see Insigne on the bench. Because for me, Insigne, as good as he is, sometimes he's so inconsistent. I don't think he's that world-class quality yet. I don't think he'll ever get there. He's a, he's a great player, but 
He's too inconsistent. I think start Kiaz on the left, start Bedardi on the right, Raspadori in the false night position yeah. for me. And that's what I would like to see. I just want to see something different. I don't want to see... You know, obviously something's not clicking. Just mm. change it. Just change it. In Lithuania, these guys should be good enough to beat Lithuania. Yeah. So frustration. Yeah, it is frustrating. Frustration is what Azuri fans have been feeling the past. Yeah. Like whatever. We're Week. champ we're champions of, of, of the Euro, but at the end of the day, we, yeah, want, we, want, we want the World Cup. That's what we, we want. We want the World Cup. The Euro is it was a nice trophy after ten years plus of just terrible Italian football yeah terrible so it kind of brought us back into the world scene but it's like listen that's not enough we got to stay here now yeah so don't don't drop the ball and let's not be bad for another decade yeah it so, has to continue we got to build off this momentum so let's talk let's talk about this 36 match unbeaten run for, let's talk about it let's talk about it so I want to ask you is this the best Italian team you've ever seen no not even close I think it's. I think it has great pieces. I think it's something that maybe could be great one day. I think we rode our luck a bit in the Euros. We, you know, we obviously we deserve to win. Italy deserved to win. Yeah. Um, but is it the best Italian team? No way. Not even close. Um, for me, the best teams, ninety-eight to like two thousand and two period. For me, those were the best Italian teams ever that I witnessed. Um, but yeah, now, now it's just different. You can't, for me, you can't compete. You can't compare eras because now we play more games. Yeah. There's more games involved. You can easily break records when sure. you're, when you're playing, you know, crappier opponents. Let's be honest, right? It's, e it's easier to keep records growing. Uh, before I don't, there wasn't as much games being played. So that's maybe that's one reason why Italy, cause you look at the teams they beat the Brazilian team and, and the, and this, probably the best national team ever, the Spanish team that dominated for almost a decade there. <laughs> yeah. Right? So does this Italian team compare to those two? No. Yeah. So, but they have the record. What do you think about it? Oh, no. This is probably, I would say, down there, fourth or fifth best Italian best team Italian I've seen team. in my lifetime. In my lifetime. Hands down, that 2002 World Cup team, that was a team that should have won the World Cup. That was the best Italian team in my lifetime that I've ever seen. You put them there. Uh, the 94 team, for me, would be number two. The 2000 team would be number three. The 2006 team would be number four. And then this team would be number five. 2006 would be number four. Yeah. 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 Listen, the 2006 team was fantastic. But everyone was kind of over the hill at that point. Yes and no. A good group, a good chunk. A good of them chunk. Were. But that 2002 team, my God. I mean... Yeah, that team was... That was the best Italian team of our life. Talent-wise, yeah. My God. Like, uh, the attacking trident up top, Vieri and Zaghi, Totti. Like, come on. Yeah, we're talking about minuscule reasons as to why they can't be considered the great because of, obviously, corruption with referees. Yeah. Uh, an overtime loss to France. Yeah. Golden goal at the Euro. It's... And a penalty shootout loss to France yeah. in 98. So, those are... 94, a penalty, penalty shootout shot, loss... So. That yeah, for me I agree. That was the best generation of oh, Italian man. footballers. Filthy. But now, but Filthy. now, now we're rediscovering it. And like I, like we've said, they've won, and for whatever reason, Italy they win, and we always go into these massive slumps. Yeah, the Italian mentality is, I won with these guys, so I'm gonna run with them, and it never works. I mean, history shows 
what happened in 86? 86 went, 80, in 1986, they went with the same team pretty much from 1982. They got blown out. 2010 w- was probably one of the worst performances well, yeah. ever. In our, in, in yeah, the 2006, Cup. then yeah, 2008 was okay. Then after that, 2010, 14. Pff, disaster. Disaster. 2012, we made the final but of the Euro, but still, it's, yeah. it's been a disaster. It's been a disaster. This is finally Italy on the rise. And it's kind of like winning this Euro kind of <laughs> gave us a bit of a disadvantage because now we're going to be stuck here. We're still on, we're, we sh- our trajectory should still be on the rise. Mm-hmm. To me, that show that what shows me that Italy's not on the rise, obviously, is those stupid call-ups like Florenzi and whatnot. Bringing these guys call, bringing these guys up based on their name, not yep. based on yeah, the right not, to be here. It's not based on merit, no. So, yeah, it's frustrating for me as an Italian fan there. But that's where I will put this Italy squad. Yeah. If this Italy squad goes qualifies for the Qatar and makes a finals appearance, at least, then yeah, then we're gonna have to have to put that Italy team up there. Right, I mean, you look at the you look at the teams that they came up against. I mean, that Brazil team uh, from '94 to '96 or '97 that had the 35 match on being run. That was a fantastic team. And then you, in third place was that Spanish team that was on the brink of greatness. Yeah. To me, there's no international team. Yeah, re- records records for me don't mean nothing. Yeah. They don't mean nothing. The the modern era now is so different from what it yeah. was even 10 years ago. You can't records mean nothing. Yeah. They mean absolutely nothing. The game's changed so much. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, to me, the greatest international four years of all time for any nation was that Spanish four years. No, that team was Euro untouchable. Cup, Euro again. And the last Euro they won where they humiliated the Italians, they didn't even hit their second gear until <laughs> until the finals. Yeah. And they destroyed us. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to put this Italy team up there, especially with the way the last two results have been. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think we should walk away with the win yeah. against Lithuania. We should, but the real test we is going to, yeah, the real test is going to see how we do against the other nations, the top yeah. other teams in Europe, the nations league. That'll be interesting. I mean, we've got nothing to lose. Yeah. It'd be nice to maybe see him continue experimenting there and do something different. Maybe stick with the obvious system, Yeah. but freaking bring in the young guys already. Bring the young guys in. It's bring fine. in Bastoni. Bring in Raspadori. Involve these young guys. So, do you want to move on to some more World Cup qualifiers? Let's move on. So, we're going to move on to another region. CONCACAF. CONCACAF, because Canada, not bad. In their first two games. So Canada have played two games. Uh, came away with a 1-1 draw at home to Honduras. Kind of disappointing. Uh, but then pull off a great one point. They basically go into the States and steal a point. Uh, and, and another 1-1 draw. So the Canada right now in the octagonal phase, we'll call it. It's usually the hex, but for scheduling reasons, it's now eight. So Canada now sitting in third place technically in that final yeah. automatic berth surprising surprising impressive and canada's got one more game to go in this international window where they play el salvador uh, they do play tomorrow at bmo field um a, the very stubborn el salvador team uh, el salvador tied honduras and tied the states uh zero zero 
on all of them. El Salvador, this team is not really that talented. Their star player is Eric Zavaleta from Toronto FC. So that basically sums up what this El Salvador team is all about. Uh, but let's like I want to talk about these two games real quick. Uh, Canada and Honduras first. Uh, 1-1 draw. Disappointing. Disappointing. The atmosphere. If For those of you that were there, for those of you that watched this game. It was great. It was like a final. It felt like a final. Uh, it was fantastic. So it was great to see the Canadian supporters out there. 15,000 sounded like a packed stadium. So thank you to the Canadian fans for doing that. Um, but tactically, some issues there. They, Canada came out really slow in the first 45 minutes. And then they finally started to pile it on. Honduras is a team that they're very physical. They'll hack you. They are very they play a very dirty game. Dark arts. They'll fall and they'll... They'll fall the flop, and uh, that's exactly what they did. The one thing I want to talk about is, in this game, tactically, it was a bit of a mess because John Herdman didn't make a substitute substitution until the end of the game when he brought on Kennedy. So this is a game, if you're Canada and you want to make the World Cup, the plan is simple. Win your games at home and come away with something on the road. So you should look at this Canada-Honduras game as two points lost. That's what I think. Um, and it was, it was, I, you know, at the end of the day, it is Canada. They haven't qualified for anything since 86. Is it right? So, yeah. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be too harsh on them, but with the talent you have, they should have won this. They should have won this with game. The talent you have, you're playing a bu- against a bunch of realistically in Honduras, you're playing against a bunch of nobodies and you have guys like that are playing champ- champions league football this year. Kyle Laren, Jonathan, David, Alfonso Davies, Atiba Hutchinson. You have a guy that's been regularly playing Champions League in Milan Borjan in between the sticks there. So realistically, you have a lot more class than Honduras. So you should have came away with a win. Uh, and they don't. Yeah, I think it's a team that's obviously in an upward trajectory. I think there's some exciting pieces there. I think it's a team that relies too much on speed. Yeah, is a bunch bit, of pace it, merchants. It's a bit too direct sometimes. <laughs> like you can see Alfonso Davies, for instance. He's flying. He's flying, but then he gets to the final third, and it's it's he's lost sometimes. It's like he's got to rely on a piece of dribbling, or there's oh, yeah. no one. It's like there's no one showing for passes, stuff like that. Very simple things are being missed. The finishing has been atrocious at some oh. points, but maybe as, as Kyle Aaron and and, uh, and Jonathan Davis started putting the ball in the back of the net, they had a bit of form. You know, it could look good, uh, but that's all I would say. They look, they look like a Serie B team, kind of the way they play a Championship team for the English clubs. It's just it's a bit too direct. Uh, the midfield just gets overlooked. No one knows how to cycle a ball in the midfield. It's kind of yeah. disappointing. Um, but if I don't know, yeah, if that's Herman's style, he just loves to run the wings. It, it's yeah, it's a very fluid system too. The way they play three five. Uh, two to three, four, three. Sometimes they go into four flat, two up top. So Herdman doing a lot of tactical changes, which is kind of good to see. But maybe sometimes it's a little bit too much for these players. I I feel. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it can and it can be confusing. But overall, you can't be disappointed with a draw against the States and yeah. another point against Honduras. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the you States... can't be disappointed. They're they're in the thick of things, Canada, and that's yeah. something like we said they have not been in for a long, long time. Yeah. So. Canadian fans should be excited. I'd say it's a flip of a coin right now, our chances of making the World Cup. If we can get a, a three points against El Salvador, 
Yeah, you need to get these three points at home against yeah, El Salvador. That'll, sure. that'll cement us into third position pretty pretty good yeah, for now. Definitely. But it's a long, it's a long, they got a lot of games yeah, to play in this. 14 games yeah. you got to play in this group, right? Yeah. It's a yeah. lot. It is, it is. What did you think about the matches? States. I, the States was a much better improvement. I just, the, this these rehearsed or these timed formation changes for John Herdman are kind of weird for me. Yeah. So, like, so yeah, explain those. What does he do? So basically what John Herdman was doing in the second game was he was changing formations at specific minutes. He wasn't going according to game flow. These were already predetermined. So like in the 20th minute, I'm going to go from a 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2 and soak in pressure. And you could see when he made these adjustments that the States just kept, the States would put pressure on him. So when they changed their plan, the States came on heavy and then they go back to their normal formation and then they'd be on top. So if it, if your four, three, three is working, why change it? I mean, you pin, pin them, suffocate them. I just think it's, he's still got to make adjustments into his style of play. He plays a very fluid system. I just think John Herdman's got you on the right spot. He could probably get you to the world cup. I think, but I just don't think John Herdman has what it takes to take this team to the next level. Because I think that with a better manager, a more experienced manager in these kind of situations, Canada would easily be making it with this team. This is arguably one of the best Canadian teams we've ever seen, ever. Talent-wise, yeah. So I just think manager-wise... Holding us back a little bit? Yeah. Or he's he's got a little bit to learn still. He's got a little bit to learn. And I think it's tough to put a manager in here to learn to learn right now i'll i'll say it right now if, if if zambrano was still in charge i wouldn't be worried about canada making the world cup we'd have six points you're saying as opposed to right now hands down hands down i'll make that statement what about states how surprising uh two yeah, draws just, how poor they've been they look it looks like an average yeah team. and then they're just disappointing and take advantage take advantage i mean they missed out on the world cup in 2018 you should realistically be, you should have a fire under your butt to make this World Cup. And they just look disappointing, especially against El Salvador. That's really disappointing. Um, do you think they make this uh, World Cup? They got to turn it around right do, now. But do you think they do? Do you think they come out of this after the 14 they, games are played? They have the pieces for sure to do it. I, I think it's going to be, Mexico is going to walk walk away with it. And then from second to eighth place, I think it, well, Jamaica, I think it's going to just get smashed but uh for the people following it's one two and three go through automatically fourth place goes into an intercontinental playoff playoff, that's right um i honestly think it's realistically it's anybody's game from second to fifth i really think it's anybody's anybody anything can happen panama can be there canada can be there the states could be there costa rica's got some work to do but they could be there too uh honduras can be there It's, it's it's wide open Good luck to Canada tomorrow against El Salvador. Yes. And uh, we'll go from there. But let's bring it back to City. City. Ah. Finally. The way it just rolls off the Club top. football's back. Club football's back. I'm excited. Um, some big games this weekend uh, coming up. What a way to come back. Match day three kicks off on Saturday. And the first game is... A, re- a City of B game last year, Empoli yeah. and Venezia. Empoli Venezia, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this game? Is that the Carlo Castellani? So, the Empoli is home. Yeah, so this is uh, 
a big game for Venezia, I think. This is a confidence-building game if they can get a result. Empoli are going to be riding high after the victory against Juve. For sure. Um, and I, th- for me, I think Empoli just continue. Uh, I think it's going to be an easy win against Venezia. I still think Venezia is a mess. I don't care the signings they made. You got to gel that into a team. They just look so off. Um, and Empoli do look like a team. They look good. They yeah, look they, good look, they look really Lazio. good. I'm they look surprised. like a they look like a mid-table Serie A team, Empoli. So yeah. for me, I think easily and Empoli, they build off what they did against Juve. I agree with you. I think uh, Empoli wins this game, and I just think uh, Zanetti's going to have an even shorter leash with Venezia. Next game, it's a big one. Napoli, Juventus. Let's see if it takes half a year to reschedule this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this is the perfect time for Napoli to be facing Juve. Do you not think yeah, that? Yeah, Luciano Spalletti against Allegri, two of the managers that have been out of City off for a while are up against each other just into round three here. Uh, Juve, I think, have more to lose in this game than Napoli. Napoli, knowing Spalletti is going to sit back and play the counter game, and that's just the way Spalletti does it. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how Allegri's Juve react here. Um, It has been a shambles. The whole Ronaldo situation was a shambles, the way he left. Yeah. Weston McKennie getting sent home from the States. Uh that's twice now I think he's uh, disobeyed COVID protocols. So he's shown that his maybe his attitude and his mindset isn't proper. Yeah, He's not uh, maybe one of the best professionals in the team. Uh, a lot of question marks around Juve. A lot of question marks. The conversation bet- between Kalini and Allegri on the sideline, you know, that raised a lot of question marks about this team. So it'll be interesting to see what Allegri has done over the the international break here with the players that did stay. Um, oh, we know what Spalletti did. They lost 5-1 to one <laughs> yeah. against Benevento in a friendly. Yeah, so I don't know. And, and that's another thing. Napoli, we haven't been convinced about. No. They've, they, are, they are six points in two games, but unconvincing. So what do, you, what do you think happens? Two unconvincing teams meeting, complete opposite spectrums in regards to points. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's strange. It's strange. I just think that they cancel each other out. I think they're both still trying to figure it out. I mean, Napoli, it's, even with what Spalletti did, I know that he did, only had Costa Manolas available for that Benevento game. The bottom line is your B team lost 5-1 to one against Benevento at the end of the day. So that, to me, shows problems on the bench, problems in Spalletti's system. So for me, I'm kind of edging towards Juve. I think Juventus is really angry about that Empoli loss. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Mattia Perin start this game. I That's something I would like yeah. to see. I, so, to me, I think Juve has the edge here. I'm going to give Juventus the edge. Allegri is going to silence his critics by coming running out of Naples with three points. That's my prediction. All right. All right. Another another fantastic game coming up here. Uh, same on... Uh, on Saturday as well, 245 game, Atalanta hosting Fiorentina. Yeah, so th- this can be uh, Fiorentina's big statement to say mm-hmm. we're the new, you know, the new boys in town, new kids That's on the right. block. Um, head-to-head wise, Giampiero Gasparini does have the advantage uh, with a win and a draw against Vicenzo Italiano, but this is now a Vicenzo Italiano with a proper squad, I'd That's say, right. behind him. It's not Spezia, with all due respect. The team that was just promoted from Serie B last season. So, uh, Atalanta picking up a win and a draw. Fiorentina losing their first game, but winning their second game in, in convincing fashion. You think Atalanta's on the down downswing? 
I do. I, I wonder if Zapata does come back for this game. But I think I think Fiorentina, I don't know if they'll win, but they're going to give Atalanta a big run. I think they're going to get at least a goal or two in this game. Oh, yeah. And it's going to push either for a draw or a Fiorentina win. I think you're going to see a 2-2 draw. It's going to be a back-and-forth game. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of the games to look out for for this weekend, probably one of the more exciting games. So look out for that one. Yeah, people are naturally going to flock to Napoli-Juve, but for football-wise, I think for good football, you want to watch Fiorentina-Atalanta. I think yeah. it's going to be more attractive on the Napoli-Juve. just going to be a cagey match. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So on to the next game, uh, 6.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. You might want to sleep in for this game because it's going to be very one-sided. <laughs> Sampdoria hosting Inter. You can sleep in, but it's a team that took away points from Inter last season. Uh but this Sampdoria. in same fashion by sitting back, it, it's a bad Sampdoria team with no attack. Very bad, just a goalkeeper. Yeah, just, and now they got Chicho Caputo. Now, exactly, new manager. Obviously, Ranieri left. Roberto De Versa then. Uh, Simone Inzaghi against Roberto De Versa head to head has seven wins and no losses. So it should be a guarantee, or it could mean Simone Inzaghi is due for a loss against against him. But uh, Inter has fared pretty well against Sampdoria in recent history head to head matches. I think it has to continue. Sampdoria can't continue this playing to not lose games. You got to yeah. come out and win. Roberto De Versa, he's got to learn uh, from Parma. It, it wasn't good. This guy's reputation is going to get destroyed if he continues down the line here with Sampdoria. Oh, just sit, sitting back and not even attempting to score goals. So it'll be interesting to see Chicho Caputo in this team. Do they supply him though? And give him the quality chances. I don't think it, I don't think he's that striker that really makes a difference. I don't see him being really that much better than Quali Quali He's kind of he's dropped off quite a bit, Chicho Caputo, Big time. Uh, since his last Azzurri call. So for me, Inter Milan maybe just squeaked by with a one 0 win here. It's gonna be a walkthrough, hands down. Inter Milan win this game. But they're definitely gonna dominate. Oh yeah. Next game, Cagliari hosting Genoa. What do you think here? Both teams. Both teams have six goals against. Cagliari, I don't, I don't know. These two teams are, to me, they're a little... Like, Cagliari are a, seem a little more stable than Genoa. I really don't know. This game's kind of a toss-up, to be honest with you. It's a big game for them because, I mean, uh, Genoa right now, they need something. They need, they need something out of this game. They need a spark. You can almost count... You, can almost basically consider this game as a relegation six-pointer already. Yeah. Because these are teams that are going to be hovering at the bottom mid-table relegation zone. Uh, Cagliari at home, they've bought into the Semplici system. This is kind of where he'll thrive in teams like this against Genoa. Genoa, on the other hand, they just, to me, they're a mess. Ballardini, the man in the shades, has uh, run his course. This is usually the year that he gets fired. Uh, so for me, I just think Cagliari is going to sneak by here. Yeah, for me, I'm actually, I'm going to give Genoa the win here. Oh, okay. Uh, just one of the transfers that kind of went under the window, Felipe Caicedo left uh, Lazio, and now he is with uh, Genoa, right. the Lingurian outfit. So I think for me, and, and Cagliari lost Giovanni Simeone, not that he was playing much, but they rely so much on Joao Pedro, they Cagliari. Do. Uh, they've been pretty even in recent games played, Genoa with nine wins, two draws, uh, six losses. Uh, Davide Ballardini's never lost to Leonardo Simplici in head-to-head. So I'm going to give the edge to Genoa. I think I don't see them going 3-0-3 and oh and here. I think Felipe Caicedo, too, he's going to play a nice little 
role in this game because that's something Genoa they've been relying too much on a hot and cold Mattia Destro who shows up for five games a season and uh, Goran Pandev for you know the yeah. legend he is he just he doesn't have it in him for a full 90 minutes Felipe Caicedo on the other hand guy's a beast he can play a full 90 minutes played a big role in Lazio's yeah. run of the table for Europa League last year uh, so I think he will be a nice addition to the Genoa team there you go so Julian was trying to take Take Genoa. Genoa. I'm trying to take Cagliari. Let's move on to the next game. La Spezia are hosting Udinese. So Udinese, great start. Four points. Uh, and La Spezia on the other side getting thrashed by Lazio. And then playing out to an exciting 2-2 draw uh, in their first game. The thoughts on this game? Like, What do you think? Scotti has a winning record against Thiago Motta. I mean... Spezia did make some under-the-table signings. Ray Minaj, former Inter product, uh, he's there now. Eddie Salcedo, Inter youth product, product is in the team. Arkadiusz Retka, Retska, I don't know how you pronounce it in, in Polish, but he he's there uh, signing from Crotone last year. So he's an interesting name. So they've added some interesting pieces offensively, which I think Spezia needed big time. Uh, Nanzola was doing too much of the work. Hasn't really featured this year. And uh, Gyasi, Emmanuel Gyasi, he's been shouldering a lot of the play for Spezia up top. So I think it, I think Spezia made some interesting signs. I think they have enough to beat Udine. Udine, for me, although they got the results uh, in the first two games for them, one uh, draw against Juve, the second result, Udine beating Venezia in the second game. So for me, it made Udine look a lot better than they are. And I think Spezia under Tiago Motta are playing pretty good football. And I think Tiago Motta gets the edge in this game. I think Spezia beat Udine in this game for me. All right. Well, I think uh, these guys cancel each other out. So on to the next game, Torino hosting Salernitana. Talk about two teams I need to win. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Both definitely. 0-2 going into Torino's this. a mess. Yeah. Salernitana is trying to adjust to life in Serie A. Um, Big signing of Frank Ribéry. Does he play right away? I don't know. I would like to see it. Uh, to me, they, they got nothing to lose by playing him. They have nothing to lose. This team is expected to go down into Serie B next year. I don't think they're going to go down. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this about Salernitana. So Salernitana have a great. They show behind the ball they're okay. They had no link up top to Bonazzoli and to Simi. Frank Ribéry is now that option, that link that you have between the back, well, the back what nine that you want to say and then the guy up top so for me i think they found their guy uh Salerno, torino on the other hand are just, they're just a disaster you're just fighting with cairo and torino are just an absolute mess but they don't look as bad as they did last year regardless of that i think Salernitana do something here book me in for the upset Salernitana win this game that's quite the call i know that's that's a disappointing part with torino it's Jurich complaining already to the board. You're only two games into your Torino career. And Cairo, like you said, it that that I don't understand. But, you know, Cairo did back him up with players. Pobega he brought in. Marco Piazza. Dennis Pratt came from uh, Leicester. Leicester, the former Sampdoria player. So he has players. This is a, a great team. Great pieces they in are. this team. Yeah. You have the one of the Italian national strikers in this team. Not prolific for Italy, but he, he gets called up regardless. You know, there's big pieces in here. And I think Ivan Jodic is a better manager out of the two. I think he has the more talented squad. And for me, that's why there's no reason why um, Torino should win this. It should be 
an easy win for Torino, but these days nothing's easy with Torino. So, yeah. but I still, my gut's telling me to pick him. So Giuliano's telling me to take Torino. I'm telling me to take Salernitana. Now let's move on to a mouthwatering game here. AC Milan hosting La Lazio. Sari Ball paying a visit to the San Siro against Pioli. What are your thoughts on this game? Head to head, of course. Uh, Sari has the edge over Stefano Pioli. They've met uh, 13 times in their career. Sari with six wins, three draws, both 2 0 to start the season. Both look great. Lazio. Which I think we've mentioned before, it's kind of it's been surprising how quick they've gotten adapted. out of first gear and yeah. adapted to a system. Uh, Milan, it's a bit surprising to still see how strong they're in their Pioli because they were they went on that long and a feeder run. They took yep. a big slump. Now they're back. Seemed, yeah, it seems like he's getting things back. Giroud played fantastic in the last game. Big signing at the deadline with Junior Messias. Junior Messias, yeah, that was one of the big signings that went uh, uncalled for. Junior Messias, I think one of the great players. It's it's awesome to see Brazilians in Milan. That's what I think of when I think of Milan, iconic Brazilian Cafu. players. And I think Ronaldinho. I think he could be one of those. Serginho too. I think Dida. I think Jun- yeah, Kaka of course, Pato, Rubinho, Ronaldinho. But Junior Messias can be part of that core of Brazilian players. I think he's I think he's legit good. I, and I think a lot of people, yeah. their eyes are going to be open when they see him play. Yeah, this guy was playing in the fourth division four yeah. years ago. He was. And now look at him, playing yeah. for one of the biggest clubs in Italy. Yeah. So I think it's a fantastic signing for AC Milan. Yeah, this is going to be the game of uh, of Sunday. Uh, Sadi, on the other hand, playing like a team Lazio, you know, the biggest question was 3-5-2. Can this team play in a 4-3-3? He's got them scoring goals. He's got Chiro, of all people, scoring goals, uh, which is huge. Luis Alberto hasn't missed a beat. No. Sergei Milikovic Savage hasn't missed a beat. Lazari, although he backed out. I know he's turned Felipe Anderson into a, a $50 million player again. Yeah. Pedro looks excellent Pedro again. Looks excellent, yeah. It's amazing what Sadi's done. Does it continue against Milan, though? That's going to be tough. I think Milan just has the quality here. Mm-hmm. I think Tonali, too, has impressed me a lot since uh, the season started. But for me, Stefano Pioli, I think maybe he's not a, as great of a tactician as Sari, but he has the the game changers in his team. And, and Giroud, he just needs half a chance. Latan's on his way back. I think they have this more solid defense, the better goalie. So for me, Milan just edge out Lazio. But it's going to be a very tight game. What do you yeah, think? I agree. I think Milan have the quality here. They they just have more quality than Lazio. So for me, book me in for the Milan victory. Next game, Roma hosting Sassuolo at the Stadio Olimpico. We're back. Got some injuries, but uh, it'd be interesting to see how they do against this uh, attacking trident up top, which should be Berardi, Scamacca, and Raspadori up top. So for me, I'm going to tell you right now, We'll see if Mourinho magic will happen. Should against Oswaldo. So <laughs> I think uh, no I against think, Dionisi. Yeah, not, I don't think they've ever met. I don't either. think they've ever met. Uh, I just think Mourinho should have too much. We'll probably see more of the uh, the sit back and counter attack on in this game. So for me, book me in for a squeaky, squeaky Roma win. Yeah, Oswaldo haven't lost in their last three games. Dionisi's. Pretty much continue what the ZB brought uh, to the team, but running with different names. Like I said, it's, I'm going to love seeing the new blood up top. Oh, I think we all are. they click. 
Uh, so Swolo, the one downside is they've only won one match out of 16 games uh, against Roma head to head. So do I think Sassuolo is going to be Roma? No. Uh, what I'm more interested in is seeing what does Mourinho do? Yeah. Is he going to play like a big team and go out and try and win the game through so. the Roma manners? Or is he going to sit back, let Sassuolo make a mistake and then win that way? So that's for me going to be the most interesting thing. What is Mourinho's mentality going to be coming into these games? Because Sassuolo is not going to be an easy game. They're very capable of picking points off top teams. So I think Roma do in the end edge it out. But uh, those are just some of the big points. Mourinho's mentality, and I want to see Raspadori's Kamaka to see yeah, how they click. For sure. So in, we're in both squad, you yeah. Roma to win. Book Roma this game. Unfortunately, but yeah, well, Roma. Hey, whatever. <laughs> Let's move on to the last game. Bologna hosting Verona on Monday. Bologna, arguably a team with lots of pieces on the brink of something. We've said that a few times. Going up against a terrible, terrible manager, <laughs> Giuseppe Di Francesco. Uh, very quickly, I'm just going to tell you, Bologna are going to win this game. And Ver- Verona are going to be thinking, what did we do signing this guy up? <laughs> what do you think? What are your thoughts? That's it. Nothing else. You just think the manager? Manager is the disaster for this team. Verona, terrible. Look at your guys up top. I mean, now you got uh, Simeone, right? So, still, you still got guys like Lasagna. You got Kalinic. They just, this team does not impress me at all. This Verona team, they are a disaster. They are a relegation candidate for me. Bologna, on the other hand, I think, have something. So, I think they squeak out a win. That's, that's my thought process behind it. What about yourself? Yeah, I think Bologna quality-wise are the are definitely the the better team. Uh, Bologna hasn't lost in their last seven matches to Hellas Verona. That's a huge there you thing, go. and that was a Hellas Verona under Ivan Juric, and so on and so forth. And and a Hellas Verona team that's always been pushing, kind of within the last yeah. what would you say five six years, kind of when they had Jorginho pushing flirting, for Europa League, flirting, flirting with Europa League spot. never really got there. But Bologna has maintained that edge. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think this House Verona team is worse, and I think, of course, I, Bologna's gotten better. Yeah. Question marks around Sinsi Mihailovic. Does he have the the ability to take this team to the next level? But I think this will be a confidence booster for Bologna. So that sums up match day three for Serie A. That sums up today's episode of Tifosi Football Radio. Um we're back. We'll be back next. We'll be back after the weekend just to talk about match day three and get back into club football, thankfully. Uh, for those of you listening, enjoy the games. Enjoy the rest of the games uh, for the international break. Uh, enjoy the games on the weekend. There's some very great games. Some yeah, really, CDI is coming to life now. Yeah, it's definitely coming to life. Um, also, follow us on Instagram. Our GQ model Giuliano did a nice <laughs> little photo shoot of some of the some of the swag that uh, or some of the shirts that are coming out for Tifosi Football Radio. So we're working on some merch. I'm sure you've seen a few of them. Yeah, we we want to do a merch shop. Just a matter of logistics right now. Yeah, we're just trying to figure that out. Um, appreciate the support. Appreciate all the follows. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Like and subscribe to us on uh, YouTube. Uh, appreciate all the support we've been getting so far. Subscribers are are rising and the comments. Um, thank you. Thank, thank you for you. commenting. Yes, thank you so much. Giovanni Rogers. 
from New Zealand. Feel in the love from New Zealand. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting the Football Radio. And until next time, ciao ragazzi. Ciao.